0: I'd rather have Labor Day or Memorial Day, but uh, let's see what the Scriptures has about love. First Corinthians chapter thirteen it's called the love chapter, and there are several verses here. I'm just going to open up this and share this with you. First Corinthians thirteen four says this: Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud. Now now listen, when you, when you get behind somebody and they're driving 20 miles an hour in a, in a forty five, you, you need to show a little love. Love is patient. Love is kind. When you want to shoot that person that's driving that slow, a little road rage, that's not kind. Love is kind. Can you go back to that, Brother John? You're, it's kind love is not jealous or boastful or proud all of these scriptures I read at every every wedding I perform you know and uh, I, I think my father-in-law had it right when we were getting ready to get married I don't know It was gonna cost like maybe three thousand dollars at that time and he said I'll tell you what he said why don't I want you two just go elope and I'll just give you three thousand dollars Man, I started smiling. Three thousand dollars back then was a lot of money, but you know, people spend fifty, sixty, a hundred thousand dollars on a wedding day to feed people that you only see them at your wedding or your funeral, and to show off this thing. And then, within three years, a lot of them are fifty percent of them are divorced because they're not really practicing love. Love is patient, love is kind, it's not jealous, it's not boastful, it's not proud. Yes, Brother Jonathan, it's not rude. Love does not demand its own way. How about that? Love is not irritable. There's a shirt idea. Love is not irritable. And it keeps no record of when it has been wronged. Listen, we got to stop bringing up the past when somebody does us wrong. This is about as quiet as it was with the Coca-Cola comment. Next one. It is never glad about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. i tell you what I heard in California in one sermon a guy said. He said, you know, we're waiting to see that person that did us wrong serve justice. And sometimes we want to do it ourselves and take it into our own hands. But the word says, the Lord says in Deuteronomy, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. And then we may not even get the pleasure of watching vengeance be served. But we have to learn how to rejoice when truth wins out. Is there any more, Brother Jonathan? Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Wow. They asked an old couple one time. There was an old couple sitting on a bench in a park, and they had been married like fifty or sixty years. And some people were walking through the park, and they stopped and started talking to them. They found out that they had been married that long and they said well what is the secret of being married that long and they looked at him and they said when it was broke we didn't throw it away we fixed it and you know I think there's probably times maybe I I don't know I don't even want to think about it there's probably times Amy just liked to probably trade me in sometimes maybe for a different model Probably most of the time, no, 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 just trade me in. You know, I don't even want another one. Just take him. But love is a decision. Love is a decision. It is not a feeling. I was, I was listening to the radio. I think it maybe it was focused on the Family or somewhere. And the guy got on, on there and he said, You do not fall in love. And, of course, my ears perked up because I always say that. You do not fall in love, he said, because falling is an accident. And I'm like, that's what I say. I must have said something right. Falling is an accident. Love is a commitment. Love is a decision. Love is deciding to stay when you really want to go. How do you get out of an addiction? You have to make a decision to get out of the addiction. How do you get in the church and out of the kingdom of darkness? You have to make a decision to do that. And when you have to make the decision, then you have to make the commitment to stick to the decision. So that's all I got to say about love today. So happy Valentine's Day. If you haven't found your Valentine, don't rush it. Let the Lord bring him to you. He will. If he's big enough to make the Himalayan mountains, if he's big enough to make... Victoria Falls, if he's big enough to make whatever in your life, if he's big enough to make Maui, he's big enough to bring the right person into your life. And you say, ah, oh, Pastor, I've done that and been there. And you know what? I believe that God's got somebody for everybody. If you decide that. And if you don't, that's between you and the Lord. Some people serve the Lord better without somebody else. No distractions. Just keep, They can do what they want. You do what you want. You go where you want. You get to eat what you want. You can slurp your food. You slurp your soup. You can chomp your teeth together. You can even smack. And nobody cares. Nobody cares. Amen. So if you're a slurper, or a smacker, or a chomper, you choose to stay single, that's how it feels to be free. Amen. Amen. We're going to the Word of the Lord today. Are you ready for this? How about that? I, had to, I don't know why. I told you I'm full today. All right. Let's go to the Word of the Lord, I, Lord today. Now, yesterday I worked food pantry, and then I was working on my sermon. And then I uh, worked on it for several hours. And then we had some family time last evening and last night. And before I went to bed, I had a couple of scriptures come to me to add to my sermon. That i was going to do and i get this text from brother brad and i read this text as i'm reading this text the lord says here's what you need to preach about so everything that i did all yesterday afternoon it's in the stash waiting for some other time so here's what we're going to go to today the cost of love everybody say the cost of love do you know that love is not free love is not free there's a cost to it and so we're going to talk about that cost today if you stay with me please I'm gonna get you loosened up a little bit I'll have you out of here pretty soon amen it's great to see everybody y'all looking good I'm going to the book of first Kings today first Kings chapter number 19 so the pastor's talking about love in the book of first Kings absolutely So Elijah went and found Elisha, the son of Saphat, plowing a field. There were 12 teams of oxen in the field, and Elisha was plowing with the 12th team. Elijah went over to him and threw his cloak across his shoulders and then walked away. Now, Elijah is the prophet of God. He is the wild man. He's the one that says, guess what? He looks at the king and the queen king ahab and queen jezebel and says it's not going to rain until i say it rains that's what he said it ain't going to rain until i say it rains and you know what it didn't rain for three and a half years and then when it got ready to rain he outran the horses and the chariots i preached that a few weeks ago here for 17 miles from mount carmel to the gates of jezreel he was running in the rain. So he takes his cloak over, and he throws it across the shoulders of Elisha, who is plowing in the field. Now, Elisha is going to become the servant and the minister of Elijah. All right? Verse 20, Elisha left the oxen standing there, ran after Elijah, and said to him, First, let me go and kiss my father and, my mother, and mother goodbye, and then I will go with you. Elijah replied go on back but think about what I have done to you I want you to count the cost here I want you to think about this a little bit so Elisha returned to his oxen and slaughtered them he used the wood from the plow to build a fire to roast their flesh he passed around the meat to the townspeople and they all ate then he went with Elijah as his assistant I don't know some of you might have been here when I preached this message years ago. It was entitled, Killing Cows and Burning Plows. Anybody remember that one? Anybody? Larry, say yes, it'll make me feel good. You remember that one? Thank you. All right. Thank God for Brother Larry remembering that. Killing Cows and Burning Plows. Amen. You can be seated. The cost of love. The cost of love. Now, when Elijah throws his mantle over Elisha, it is, the mantle is representative of the anointing. If Way back in the day, we're going we're gonna to see that when Elijah was taken out of this earth by a, a chariot of horses and a chariot of fire, The only thing that was left was his mantle that came floating back down to the earth. And so, Elisha becomes the servant and the assistant and the minister of Elijah. And so, this anointing that is now upon him, it changes his life forever. He goes from being a farmer to now he's in the ministry. Let me say this, whenever the Holy Ghost comes into your life, it will change your life forever, okay? It will change your life forever. There are probably some of you in here that never dreamed you would be part of a church like this. You maybe grew up in a nice, quiet, dignified church. I tried to put nice adjectives out there. Maybe you came up and grew up in a nice, quiet, dead, dull, boring church. Amen. Lasted 30 to 45 minutes and you were out of there. And now, because of the anointing that has come across the fibers of your lives, you're in a spirit-filled church that believes in angels, that believes in demons, that believes that the power of God can get into a person's life and change them the power of God can get into a person's life and take them from being an a, 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 a addicted to drugs and alcohol and all kinds of mess, being, being put in prison, being put in jail, and then God busts them out and brings them out and makes them a totally new creature in Christ. Here you are. You've come to realize because of that anointing that those other churches were just like social clubs. They were like, oh, we get to see so and so this week. We get to see what new dress they have or what new suit they have or, or you know, maybe just come as you are. We're coming in our khaki shorts and flip flops and a Hawaii aloha shirt. Amen. And that's okay if you're in aloha land, you can do that. So, this anointing that comes on Elisha changes his life forever. And what he does, number one, it costs him because he goes back from Elijah and he kills the cows and he burns the plows. Everything that was associated with his old life. Now, there's the te- what was in your text that hit me when I was reading it last night at 1230 at night. I should have been in bed when most kids are in bed. But no, I have to read a text. Because you said you cannot walk with the Lord and still hang on to your old life. Isn't that what it said? You see, the anointing changes your life forever. Once you, you, you can come from any church out there and come to a spirit-filled church, okay, and let God touch you and God minister to you and God change your life. Upside down, inside out, he can completely just turn your life totally cattywampus. You ever heard that statement? Totally Totally cattywampus. But you cannot leave this and go back there and ever, ever, ever be the same again. Because once you touch and taste heaven, once you taste a, 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 get a taste of the other world that is soon to come. You see, the old song says, This world is not my home, I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. You can come from that into this But you cannot go back from this into that and never be the same again because this touch from the other world will haunt you all the days of your life. You'll wake up in the morning with that taste in your mouth of the other world. You'll go to bed at night with that longing in your mind for the other world because there is a power in the anointing that once you come into a new life and you start to love this new life, you cannot hang on to the old life anymore. You see, today Christianity is, everybody's a Christian. I hate to say it like that, but everybody's a Christian. You know everybody's saved. They don't go to church, but they're saved. They cuss like a sailor, but they're saved. Um, I may lose my internet following here. Six of you, I don't know, seven. Listen. Listen. They cheat on their spouse, and they're still going to heaven. Has anybody met any of those Christians? You might work with those people. They can live exactly the way they want, and, then, and they're still going to heaven. They can live like the devil and live like hell on wheels, and they're still going to heaven. But you see, love costs something. A commitment costs something. It cost Elisha his cows and his plows. But he came into an anointing that he actually did twice as many miracles as his predecessor, Elijah, did. In fact, we sing the song around here. Just as the man who was thrown on the bones of Elisha Is there anything I can't remember all the words God cannot do? I feel him moving in. He died one miracle short but you know what? That taste of the other world does not know any boundaries. The next world to come that we're headed to knows no boundaries. It does not know death as a boundary. It does not know time as a boundary. It does not know location as a boundary. You see, even him being dead in his natural flesh and his natural body in his spirit man, Elisha still was able to see that other miracle to complete the double Proportion. You see, we're getting a hold, and we have a hold of a world that is totally, totally out of this world. This world cannot even, we can't even fathom what we want to do. We can't even fathom because we're limited to five senses. We're limited to sight, to sound, to hearing, to smelling, to seeing, or to touching. And what's the next one? What's the next one? Hearing, seeing, tasting, feeling. Feeling, rather than more than feelings, we're locked into this world right now, but there's one coming, that we're not going to be locked in to anything, because with God, all things are possible, but love costs something, and so today, I want to talk about what love is going to cost us. In the New Testament, Jesus said this in Luke nine twenty three, and he said to them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Take up his cross daily. Everybody say daily. I've got to live for the Lord on Tuesday just like I live for the Lord on Sunday. I need to be the same guy on Thursday that I am in this pulpit on Sunday. I can't be preaching up here on Sunday and then go cuss out the cashier at Walmart on Friday. Because when she went to hand me my change, I couldn't get my alligator arm turned over all the way, and I dumped all my change out on the belt and on the floor. And you guys don't realize this yet, but the older you get, the further the floor is. Hear it? And once you head down there, you better have a plan to get back up. And it may take you a while. Can I get an amen? Amen. Yes, all right, then. I cannot, I cannot be angry with somebody. That's why I put the love deal up there. We have to be patient. We have to be kind. We have to be forgiving. You know, let me give you some marriage counsel here. Stop bringing up the past failures of your, of your other spouse there, okay? Hello? Hello? Stop bringing it up. Practice what Moses told him at the Red Sea. Stand still and hold your peace. Don't say a word. Because you know what? He is without sin, let him cast the first stone. So daily we walk with him. Take up your cross daily and follow me. So let's look at it in the Amplified. He said to all, if any person will, wills to come after me, let him deny himself, disown himself, forget, lose sight of himself and his own interest." Refuse and give up himself, and take up his cross daily and follow me. Cleave steadfastly to me, conform wholly to my example in living, and if need be, in dying also. Every day I'm supposed to live like Jesus. Some of us are saying words, and I have to ask us this question, would Jesus say those words that we're saying? Would Jesus think those thoughts that we're thinking? Let's break it down. Let him deny himself. Disown himself. Forget and lose sight of himself and his own interests. Refuse and give up himself. You know what I saw here this past weekend? I saw people who said, I'm going to go work at the food pantry. I saw people coming in here that I didn't want to do it, but they took the Christmas tree down. This summer I saw people that were willing to be out in a hundred degree heat and working in the landscaping out there, washing dirt and mud off of rocks, working for the church, not getting any pay for it. What are you talking about, Pastor? I'm talking about you know what, we lose ourselves and we become citizens of the kingdom. We lose ourselves in our own interest and we lose sight of, of what we really need. I've pastored here for uh, how long have we pastored here long time 15 and a half years hey we got another anniversary coming up in 14 and a half years just get ready all right but I've pastored people who are selfish now they're not among us anymore but they're selfish they didn't want to do a lot of the dirty work Because it seemed like that they were above that dirty work. It seemed like that they were above that. Oh, can you go do this? Can you give so and so a ride? Can you? You know what? Sometimes the gospel will take you out of your convenience and out of your comfort level and help and get you to the place where you may have to do something that you're really not comfortable doing but you're losing your interest in yourself and you're willing to say whatever it takes for the kingdom that's what i'm willing to do and that's what jesus was saying here we have to lose sight of ourselves we have to lose sight of what we want you see there would be the most greatest thing that i would like to do on a saturday morning at food pantry is not get up at 7:30 7:15 to be there at 8 because that's saturday man that's Saturday. I want to sleep in. But I've got to be there. I've got to make sure Pat's there. that she brings Margot. What happened to Margot today? She left us. No answer. Are you seeing what I'm saying though? There's times that we're going to have to disown ourselves and say, what do we want? At my house, we have what we call family meetings. Family meetings aren't really good. Most of the time, they're called in a crisis situation. Amber's been at a few family meetings. I don't know how she got roped into it. We had one family meeting where Amber was not in trouble at all. It was somebody else, and they wanted Amber to be there for moral support, and Amber looked more nervous than the person who was in trouble looked. You were just the buffer from the wrath of who, Amy? Yes, yes, and both of you. So we have this family meeting, and in this family meeting I discover that people watch and they say, you know what, I see Tracy and Amy when somebody doesn't have water to go make sure they have water. I see so-and-so when they need a ride somewhere that they're willing to go take them somewhere. I see them that if they need to drive a U-Haul to Texas, for a single divorced mom and two kids they'll drive a u-haul to Texas you know what I like that what I was hearing I like that I like that because I'm hopefully disowning myself I'm forgetting about what I want all the time and I'm willing to say okay if I got to help you I'm going to help you because Remember, remember 20 years ago, everybody was wearing shirts. Everybody was wearing rubber wristbands. Everybody was wearing chains around their neck. What would it say? WWJD. What would Jesus do? Tim, if you called me and you said, Pastor, I got up this morning and I walked out, and you told me this a couple Sundays, Sundays ago, and I didn't mean to laugh at your calamity, but it was very funny the way you said it I said Tim where have you been he said well I've been sick blah 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 and one Sunday morning I got up or one morning I got up and there was a river running through my house because the hose that came off of the ice maker or something yeah yeah I said yeah there was a river running through my house and I'm like oh my lord and I start laughing because I'm picturing all this water running through a house you ever you ever wake up and there's something going on that should not be going on in your house yes all of us have been there but if you called and said pastor if you got some shop backs and blah 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 and some water water pumps and some big fans can you bring them up here to me and help me uh, you know what i'd do i'd get them all together and i'd come help you you know why because i want to do that because that's what jesus would do that's what's called love that's called denying yourself that's called forgetting about your own interest Forgetting about what you want right now and give up yourself to the needs and to the help of others. It's the same way walking with the Lord because you see that there is a cost to love. There is a cost to discipleship. There is a cost to follow him. Take up his cross daily and follow me. He says, cleave steadfastly to me, conform wholly to my example in living and if need be in dying also. I've got to cleave to the Lord. I've got to cleave to him. I've got to join myself to him. And as I join myself to him, I have to conform to what he is. He does not conform to what I am. I have to conform to what he is. He does not take his word and change it around so it fits my lifestyle and my plans. I have to change my lifestyle and my plans to fit his word. I saw a gym on Facebook the other day, and it was something like, I think we posted it on for us, it said, the Lord is not going to take his word and change it up to fit your outlook or whatever it was. You have to change to fit his outlook. Are we following Jesus like he wants us to follow him? Are we doing the example that he wants us to follow? Listen, it's hard. It's a life. This is a life journey. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, "This is a life thing." She, she didn't. Say it. It's a life thing, Marcus. I'm sorry your neighbor didn't talk to you. It's a life thing. Don't get. Don't get. Uh, in the journey, don't get frustrated because you're not to where you want to be yet because this is a life thing. It takes all of our lives to get to where He wants us. Where There's always something to work on in our lives. I still have rough edges. I still have rough edges. I'm telling you, even though I'd come help you clean up your river in your kitchen, I still have rough edges because there's time when the, when the love is not in the, in the vehicle and I those people just in front of me just driving so slow. and don't they know that I have to go get a sandwich at McDonald's and it may not look like it but I am about starved to death now come on Violet I heard that laugh I might even start getting the shakes anybody when you get real hungry start getting the shakes years ago Years ago, well, I'm talking way back in the day. Amy and my dad went somewhere. I don't even know where they went. We were out in Maryland, out east. They went shopping. You took my dad shopping. Oh, he was shoe shopping. I was going to say, how did you get him to go shopping? And about halfway home, they both started getting the shakes. So they had to stop at this little convenience store called High's. Was it High's? down at the foot of the mountain and get something to eat because he said, Amy Joe, I'm getting the shakes. She said, I am too, so you know. Hey, listen, if you're getting the shakes and somebody's slow driving in front of you, the last thing you need is somebody to drive real slow, especially if you're coming off a a, a three-hour fast. If you're coming off a three-hour fast and you're going to go break it, And you got somebody up there that's hogging the road and standing in front of you. The last thing you need is any more interference. Because God forbid you had to go three hours and five minutes on this fast. Because this is not a temple of the Holy Ghost, baby. This is a megachurch right here. I'm telling you. So I still have problems in my life. All of us have problems. Thank God for that wisdom. To cleave, what's that mean? In Genesis, it comes from Genesis 2.24. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife, and they shall be one flesh. I heard somebody say one time, that means that the husband and wife marry each other, and then they go move where the wife is from. He don't say nothing like that. I moved, I did, my name should be Tracy Worley. I was surrounded by him actually I wanted to be here more than she did but I had an ulterior motive of why I wanted her here and it was a good motive it was a good motive and so cleave to him that means the usage here reflects the basic meaning of one's object or persons right being joined to another I leave my mom and dad's house and I marry a bride and now she and I are building a family together that's what cleave means there and so now as I'm walking with the Lord we cleave to him and we start building a relationship a walk with the Lord together it's just like a marriage and so we're married to the Lord I'm telling there's a cost to love marriage and and being married there's a cost to being married you got to decide that you can't and realize that you are not going to get everything that you think you need do you hear how i said that you are not going to get everything you think you need now this is going to get me in trouble we may just go to lunch right here there's a billboard that says happy wife happy life I don't agree with that see I mean this is what we go to lunch all women raise their hand yeah. listen I don't agree with that because Somebody just got their wings. <laughs> the marriage is not made up of just the wife. The husband should be happy as well. Actually, both of them should be happy. Oh, thanks, Bernie. I remember. No, Are you seeing it? It takes two. The husband and the wife should be equally happy to existing together. It's not all whatever the wife wants and she gets everything and the husband doesn't get anything. Listen, if the husband's tired and wants to lay down and take a nap on the couch, let him take a nap on the couch. He deserves it. You know what? If she wants to lay down on the couch and take a nap, let her lay down on the couch and take a nap. She deserves it. Men, what you realize is is while she's sleeping on the couch, you get to do whatever you want. You get to watch any television state program you want to watch. You get to go eat out of the refrigerator, anything you want. You get to go, you, I'm telling you. And lo, lo and behold, if you want to go to Walmart, you can go to Walmart if you want. But listen, listen you know, I, the struggle in our marriage right now is I am not the only qualified person to go to Walmart. I am not the only one. And I'm telling you, there's fixing to be a strike. Because we talked to our union reps, and we're going to fight this thing. Yeah. Not a happy wife, happy life, because guess what? We are in the relationship together. We are husband and wife. You said that you would be faithful. You said that you would be uh, uh, there for me through sickness and in health, for richer, for poorer, right? Come on, is that what it says? Till death do us part. She says, I'm going to be there in sickness and health and richer and poorer till death do us part. It wasn't a one-sided deal. And it's the same way with the Lord. The Lord wants us to walk with him and cleave to him just like a marriage relationship. Love costs things. There are times when you're not going to get your way and there's times when she's not going to get her way. Now watch. There's times you're going to get your way with the Lord and he'll let you have it. And there's times that she says, I think, no, not this time, Tracy. Uh uh-uh, uh, not this time. You see, there's that relationship there. Love costs something. Look at him. How do you like that picture? Amber, does that look familiar? Who is that? Is that Pilate? Pontius Pilate, Pilate? That's Jesus. That's Jesus. What's he doing? John chapter 12, verse 26. If any man serves me, he must continue to follow me. This is the Amplified cleave steadfastly to me, conform wholly to my example in living, and if need be in dying, and wherever I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Watch this word, serves. If anyone serves me, it comes from that Greek word right there, diakonia, to be an attendant, to wait upon as a host or a friend. When I got in the church, when he gave me his Holy Ghost in my life, I became his waiter. I became his servant. I became his whatever you need, Lord, I'm here for you. Anybody ever, waiter, waitress, restaurant, where are you? Where'd you work at, Casey? Really? Long time ago? Waiter, where'd you work, Carlina? You worked at Ponderosa, do I remember that? That when you were just a child? Before I knew you. Where do you work? Walmart. You know what it's like to be a waiter or a waitress. You're serving that table constantly. Can I get you anything? They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And you're waiting on the Lord. That's what you're doing. You're not sitting there and saying, oh, yeah, bless God. I'm waiting on the Lord. He's going to come through the door any minute now. You know, I've seen him. I've seen it all happen. You know, Prophet Tom comes here, and he looks at somebody, he prophesies, and he says, you know what? you have what it takes. God can use you and bless you and you can be a millionaire. And I've seen him he said after he's gone he said, "You know what? I'm going to be a millionaire. I'm just waiting for it to come." And I'm thinking, it ain't coming. It's not just going to come to you. There's got to be some cost to you. There has to be some sacrifice made. There has to be some things that, that take place that you're very uncomfortable. You see, sometimes comfort comes out of uncomfortable situations. Are you seeing what I'm saying here? I remember one night we went to, to the Thai restaurant. Brother Johnny was there all by himself. He was all by himself. Every table, either the tables either had people at them or they had dirty dishes at all the other tables where there were no people and he was overwhelmed. And what happened, Johnny? What did I do? I got up and started cleaning tables. I was praying, God, let them give me some tips. If they see me, let them, then I'm thinking, do I have to share it with Johnny if I get it? What am I doing? I'm, I'm, I'm waiting on people. I'm taking care of things. Well, you know, I went there to have a nice meal with my wife. Red curry chicken number three. Ooh, Lord, yeah. And then June comes out, and she says, oh, yeah, but... We, we make it 27 and I'm thinking 27 I would fall over dead because three is just about as hot as I can stand it she said oh it's so good okay so I'm helping these people we came for a nice meal but we're serving you see in ministry and in, in kingdom work you're in ministry you're in ministry. You're not pastoring and preaching, but we're all in ministry because we're supposed to carry the kingdom everywhere we go. We are to be his attendant. We are to wait on him. We are to serve him. We are to host him. We are to make sure that everything we that he needs, we provide for him. On the, uh, Matthew 4, 18, One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water for they fished for a living. There the boys are right there. These guys were fishermen. Now, this was a pretty good trade at that time. They could make some pretty good money if the fish were getting caught in the net. But at the same time, there was also bad days of fishing. If you're a fisherman, you know exactly what I'm talking about. That's when you take plenty of food for yourself so you don't starve to death while you're out there. I used to go fishing, hit the lake about 5 o'clock in the morning, and I'm telling you from 5 a.m. to 1, I could eat four sandwiches. And I was still hungry by the time I got home. Those were the days when the metabolism was flying. It was so wonderful. These guys were fishermen. Now, what happens? Jesus calls to them, come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. The Lord hasn't asked us to quit your job and follow him. He hasn't asked you to shave your head, get a robe on, and be a monk. He hasn't asked you to do any of that. What he's asked us to do is to follow him, to serve him, to wait on him, to love him at a cost to ourselves, of denying ourselves, of, of walking away from our own interest and allowing his kingdom and his interests to take over. Amen? You see, there has to be a taking over. I'm talking to somebody today about love. I'm talking about the cost of walking in the kingdom. A little farther up the shore, he saw two other brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father, Zebedee, repairing their nets. And he called them to come too. And immediately followed him, they immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. Let me ask you this today. Are you willing to leave the boat behind if he asks you to? Pastor, you can say that because this is your job. It's a calling. It's not a job. It's a calling. But you see, God puts us in places in all of our lives, and that's our ministry field. Your job, your place of employment is your ministry field. Carlita's been ministering to Allison for how long? Long time. Years. Years. Johnny, you got a ministry field. You know. Sister Pat, you got a ministry field. You're retired, but you're still touching lives. You're taking this handkerchief to that man in champagne. What's going on in our lives? What's the cost? What's the cost of love? That's what love really is. Love's a decision. Love's not this ooey-gooey feeling. You can't trust your feelings. Don't trust your feelings. Your feelings will lie to you. Look at your neighbor and say they lie. Look back at them and say feelings lie. Feelings lie. Carlita, feelings lie. Because you don't have any neighbors. You can talk to Johnny. Feelings lie. That phrase, follow me, appears 18 times in the scriptures referring to the invitation from Jesus to his disciples. 18 times those two words are together. Follow me. God wants us to follow him today. God wants us, and this is what I'm, this is what I'm seeing. I'm seeing as this congregation is going through this, this metamorphic change. I was reading about, I'm coming back to that. I was reading about the, the path of the monarch butterfly. Okay. The monarch butterfly starts out in Mexico and it actually migrates to Canada up along the eastern seaboard of the United States there are four phases to the life of the monarch butterfly the first three phases are only like six to eight weeks long okay what they do is in the six to eight weeks each phase the first one six to eight weeks the second phase six to eight weeks the third, third phase, six to eight weeks. Then the last phase of the monarch butterfly's migration, that level of that, that uh, what would I call that? That generation of butterfly in that, in that uh, DNA chain lives six months. That last one lives six months because it flies from Canada back to Mexico. And the cycle starts all over again. What's interesting about that is the, uh, the first three phases only last six to eight weeks. So they only can go a portion of the way. But that last one lasts six months to get them all the way back to where the Creator purposed them to be. What I'm seeing in this church is we are going through a metamorphic change. But as we're going through this metamorphic change, I am watching God begin to faith bomb and pull people into a deeper anointing and walk than they ever have before. We have seen people fall by the wayside. We have seen people leave. We have we have seen people that decide they're not going to live for the Lord. They're going to do their own thing. And one day they'll come back to church and do all this other. But the remnant, that's what we are called right here. We are the remnant. And I'm telling you all through 2020, that's what I was hearing from all of the preachers and prophets that I was following and what I was listening to and reading about is that we're all talking about a remnant. A remnant, a remnant. And we went through that but I never saw the remnant everything looked intact and then suddenly after this past year and a half that remnant's rising up because that phase is over and there's an anointing come upon us And that anointing is going to be, that anointing is going to be the last stage that is going to carry us into the end time. Because get ready, brothers and sisters, there might be room here right now, but eventually there is not going to be any more room in this church. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Eventually they're going to be parked up the driveway that way again, and up the driveway that way again. We may have to go to two or three services on a Saturday night and a Sunday. I don't know what we're going to have to do, but get ready because there's a cost of love, and there's people willing in this house to follow him and there's people willing to serve him and there's people willing to say Lord I'll go the extra mile I'll take up my cross daily and I'll follow you and I'll do what you want me to do give the Lord some praise on that that's good that's good look at that there's a merry band of warriors right there here they come he's putting together an army that's what he's doing in this house today he's putting together an army every service every Sunday every Wednesday hallelujah I'm telling you just get ready it's happening it's happening sister Carlita I'm ready for brother Dan to come home are you ready for him to come home make sure you get her on camera so we can show Dan her response shouldn't ask you so fast so we could have caught you but she she was happy Dan she was smiling yep No, I tell you what I like about Danny what I like about Danny is his genuineness, his transparency. He's, what you see is what you get. That's Danny. But in this time of, it's going to be about a year, isn't it? In this time of being away from each other for a year, you begin to see things that you took advantage of and took for granted before that you'll never do again. You'll never take it for granted again. And what the Lord does is he allows things to come into our lives that, that shows us that, you know what, you, you, you put too much faith in this when you really should have been focused on this. And what really mattered was this when we, you thought what was really mattering was this. So you see what I'm saying? So he's training the remnant right now amongst all of us. And it's going to take each and every one of us to get in this gang right here. It's going to take that anointing of the Holy Ghost to get in this gang and to walk with him in the end time. But I I believe I'm amongst a bunch of people that know how to get a hold of God, and we're going to see things happen. It's going to take place, and I'm excited about it. If you're excited about it, give the Lord some praise right now. I'm getting ready to close. Praise the Lord. I'm getting ready to close. The cost of love. Mark chapter 10, 28 says, Then Peter began to speak up. Oh, Pete. Peter was the spokesman for the crew. Now, three weeks from this weekend is the, where I fit in the kingdom, right? Brother Archambault, it's going to be good. You need to be there, all of you. Let me say it, wait, wait, all you guys, all yuns, y'uns, all y'all. And where I'm from it's you's, all you's, all you's guys, okay? You all need to be there, Everybody. Because we're going to find where you fit in the kingdom. Temperament-wise, personality-wise, spiritual gifting-wise. Peter was a sanguine. Sanguines are life of the party. They're talkers. They're people. They're type A people. They don't know a stranger. They're always the first to spout off something. And, and listen, here's, here's what they are. When, when everything is good, they are way up here. And when everything is bad, they are way down here. You know anybody like that? So Peter is the spokesman. He's, that's why the Lord chose him, chose him to preach on the day of Pentecost. So Peter speaks up here and he says, we've given up everything to follow you. Because the other half of the disciples were afraid to say anything. They weren't going to say a word. They, they didn't know, just like me in math class, I didn't know the answer was right or not. So they, the teacher say, okay, who has the answer to this? I did not raise my hand. In fact, Frank, I looked down at my paper like if I didn't make eye contact with her, she wouldn't forget about me being there. And you know what? There must have been a sign on the top of my head that said, call on Tracy. because I put my head down and she said, Tracy, what do you think? Oh, Jesus. Oh, oh, whoa, whoa. Anybody ever remember those days? Morgan, do you remember those days? You like math. You're good at math. Look at it. I got an A in home economics. I made a pizza out of an English muffin one time. Amen. I did good cooking, but when I went the next semester to sewing class, that was a train wreck. I am not a sewer. I'm just telling you right now. But I can make you a pizza out of an English muffin if you're you're starving to death, if we got the proper ingredients. If we don't have the proper ingredients, sorry about your luck. All right. We have left everything. Peter Peter says, you know what? This has been bothering me. It's been on my mind, and i got to tell you something. We've left everything to follow you. We don't have nothing. I left the ship. I left the nets. I left the boat. I left the paddles. I left my crew. I left everything to follow you. And Jesus says, yes, yes. And I assure you that everyone... Who has given up houses there's a cost to following him there's a cost to love I assure you that everyone who has given up house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or property for my sake and for the good news for the gospel I'm telling you every one of them will receive now in return a hundred times as many houses. Brothers, sisters, let's all stand. Mothers, children, and property. But along with persecution. And this is where he puts the kicker on here. And in the world to come, that person will have eternal life. There's a cost to love, brothers and sisters. This lovely lady here can vouch for me. I'm telling you the truth. We moved here, and in two years, I became friends with the stockbroker here in town. Less than two years. Now, this is in about 1994. Ninety three, ninety four, 94 and he says to me one day i'm in his office and he says i'll tell you what tracy if you want i will send you for training and i he said within six months to a year year and a half i can have you making six figures a year is that true You know what six figures looks like to a 27, 28-year-old with two little kids? And at that time, I was making about, I don't even want to tell you what I was making then, being a youth pastor. You know what Benjamins are? Huh? I was making two of those a week. He was telling me I could have 100,000 Benjamins in a year and a half to two years. And I said, that's not what the Lord brought me here for. He brought me here to youth pastor. That's what we did. It wasn't long after that that we got a phone call from the 808 area code. You know where that's at? west of here, about 5,000 miles, out in the middle of the wide blue ocean and says Tracy I'm going to move from Maui to Honolulu to take the church and pastor in Honolulu. I want you to pray about coming and pastoring a church in Maui. Thank God it wasn't February it was summertime in vandalia because february would have been a little bit more tempting especially last night with the wind blowing Did anybody suffer that last night it was plumb cold out there i wouldn't even had to pray about that one uh uh-uh. i said that's not what i came to do i'm here for a reason i gotta stay here i said to marcus the other day i said marcus You could have grown up in Maui. You could have played football at the University of Hawaii. He could have been a rainbow. What am I saying? I'm just telling you this. I'm at the level where I got to do what he calls me to do, no matter how much the offer is or how beautiful it sounds. I just have to do what I have to do. And that's where he wants each of us today because there's a cost to love. There's a cost to love. And he said this, no matter what you spent and no matter what you've given up, one day you're going to have it all a hundredfold in this life. You can be blessed in this life. It's not bad to have houses and lands in this life. If you want to have a big house and a lot of land, you can have a big house and a lot of land. That's fine. You can have all the cars you want. It don't matter. But you put Jesus first, he's going to say, just do it. I'm going to bless you. It's all right. But if you don't worship the blessing more than you worship the blesser, Right? We don't praise the blessings more than we praise the one who gave us the blessings. That's where people get in trouble. And he said, besides all that, this is what you got coming. One day, you're going to have eternal life. One day, we're going to be there, buddy. Amen? There's a cost to love. There's a cost to love. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's come on up around the front real fast. It's 1248. 1248. This will give all those people from those other churches that you used to go to time to get out of the way so you can go get what you want. Come on, real close. Come on. Come on, real close. I showered this morning, shaved, brushed my teeth. I floss every day. Come on. It's, good. it's a good life. Don't be afraid of what it costs, okay? God will take care of you. Little did we know that when we got that call, to go to Maui and pastor literally we know that we're going to be in this church we drove by, you know how many times we drove by this church every week going to our other job all the time we just drive by here and say oh man they need to mow the yard that's probably a, well, Dwayne, what was his name Dwayne I'd say oh if he don't hurry up mowing he's going to have to get a bailer in here you're going to have to get a hay barn. They'll be baling hay. I didn't realize. Here we are. We don't, you don't know what God's going to do with you. You don't know where that commitment and that love is going to take you. There's a cost to it, there's a cost to love. But I'm telling you, the reward is worth it. Amen. The reward is worth it. God wants to do something powerful and exciting in your life personally. I don't know what it is, but I'm telling you this. He wants to do it. He wants to change things in your family dynamics. Just stand on faith. Let's pray right now. Lord, in the name of Jesus, as we get ready to leave this place, I just pray for each and every person in this house. I pray for those online as well. I pray, God, right now that you would do mighty, mighty things in our lives. Increase our faith right now. Your word says that you have given to each man the measure of faith. So, Lord, let that measure of faith rise up within each and every one of us right now in the name of Jesus. Let it rise up, God, to meet the challenge of every question that we have, to meet the challenge of every ounce of fear that can come against us in the name of Jesus. I pray, Lord, that we're like Peter. You know, we're looking around and we're saying we've left this and we've given up this, and Lord, this is now no longer ours. It's gone. But Lord, I pray that the voice of your assurance will come to every life right now and say, you've done the right thing. You've made the right move, and I'm going to Bless you, in, not only in this life. I'm going to give you houses. I'm going to give you property. I'm going to give you more brothers, more sisters, more family. I'm going to do this because you're moving into my kingdom. You're being birthed into my kingdom. You're moving into this family of God that's worldwide. And, Lord, not only all of that, but, Lord, you said eternal life is coming for us. And so I just pray today that the words that we've spoken today and preached, we're not going to live Try to live a new life, holding on to the old life. We're getting rid of the cows and we're getting rid of the plows. Lord, we've dropped the nets and we've left the ships and the boats. And Lord, we are walking with you right now we are walking in power. We are walking in glory. Somebody gets a hold of some power before you leave. Lord, we're walking in power and glory. We're walking in authority in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray right now a spirit of power and authority would come upon each and every person in this room. Let us leave this place, Lord, as apostles. Let us leave this place, Lord, with fire in our hands, Lord, and and fire on our tongue. Lord, I pray that every demon that would rise up against the children of God would be pushed back by the name of Jesus right now and the blood of Jesus Christ. Lord, let the word of our testimony become a powerful word to those who hear it. Lord, send us to people who are hungry and who are ready for your kingdom, who are ready, God, for this new birth, who are ready to be filled with your power and your spirit in the name of Jesus Christ. The steps of a good man, they are ordered of the Lord. So, Lord, order our steps right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we pray, order my steps. Let's pray that right now. Lord, order my steps this week. Order my steps. Take me to someone who's hungry for you. Take me to somebody who is looking for you. Take me to somebody who's looking but they don't even know what they're looking for. Lord, let me come across the lives of key people and let people come across my life. Let me meet God, kingdom connected people. Let me meet people who are are about to move into the kingdom and make a connection with you. Give me the words to speak, the words of life, the words of deliverance, the words of freedom. Lord, let our testimony become anointed and Lord, let the people who hear and anoint their ears to hear. Hallelujah. Let our words be as fire and let the people be as wood. And God, you consume them with the word of our testimony. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Give the Lord a praise right now. Would you do it? You got a little praise there for him still? Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. Let us, Lord, realize that our workplace is our mission field. Our workplace is our mission field, Lord. Walmart and shopping centers and malls is our mission field. Dollar General is our mission field. The gas station is our mission field. The internet is our mission field. Let us. God, let us get away from posting drama and junk on social media and let us get to posting Lord how you saved us, how you filled us with your spirit, how you healed our bodies, how you cleaned up our minds, how you made us free and whole and new again. Oh, Lord, let us be wise as serpents and harmless as doves in this last hour. Hallelujah. Lord, let this remnant, this remnant, God, that's your anointing, let it begin to bud and burst forth for that final journey, that final journey that destiny calls us to in the name of Jesus. If you're ready for that final journey, give the Lord a hand. Praise. Hallelujah. 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 In Jesus' name. All right, brothers and sisters, you ready? You ready to go do this thing? Just do it. Who said that? Nike. Just do it. All right. Church Wednesday night. Church Sunday. Classes again next Sunday. College and career meets next Sunday again. All right. Be dismissed. Love you guys. Love all y'all. Greet each other. Greet each other. Love on each other.